Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A witness of any building being established and erected is always a strong statement in a community that brings anticipation or excitement and even curiosity. As we drive by within our own communities, we observe buildings being established and built. For example, we have a uh, new In-N-Out being built on Artesia Boulevard and Western Avenue. I mean, you've noticed that. Raise your hand. And uh, the address is 1701 Artesia Boulevard, Cardino, California, 90247. And if you don't know where it is, just yelp that thing and just anticipate this wonderful new In-N-Out. And uh, everyone, as we think about, as we think about this wonderful, uh, I guess, uh, new franchise, or maybe I'm sorry, uh, new building that's being erected here. Uh, it's a little building, but it has drawn some attention and some anticipation, and uh, it's somewhat, in every way, exciting. And it's been uh, building that momentum for the last several months, and everyone is looking forward to an In-N-Out Burger in Ardena. Now, as we have been waiting, to me, it seemed like a very little, uh, very uh, slower progress, and it feels like they were taking their time. Now, some might complain, but at the end, we know that uh, as it is taking a little longer time, we understand that they want to do it right. The very site of the new In-N-Out Burger building was once a Burger King building. And I thought, you know, as I thought about that old building of Burger King, you know, uh, if In-N-Out's coming in there, why don't they just, you know, reuse that building? Just, you know, uh, modify it and remodel it and kind of like the same type of business, selling burgers and selling fries and selling, you know, uh, beverages. I mean, it's the same idea. Why don't they just, you know, reuse that same building? Amazing thing happened. They just tore the thing apart. They said, you know what? We don't need a Burger, Burger King building structure. We need an In-N-Out burger structure. We cannot reuse Burger King, and we want to make sure that this building looks like In-N-Out. It functions like In-N-Out, and we cannot reuse another franchise. And uh, as we think about uh, this example, about In-N-Out building and about the Burger King building, you know, when God saved this, he did not improve upon the old. No, he put away the old and started from scratch. You know, God, in every way, when he saved me, he didn't take the old Jimmy and improve me. No, he put away the old Jimmy, and he put within me a new person and an inward man after the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, saved Christians, the word of God admonishes us to put away the old, and God wishes to use the new. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 as well, And purge out therefore the old living, that ye may be as a new lump, as our unliving. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So the word of God is very clear, even as sanctified Christians. We need to make sure that we put away the old habits and the old doings. And because Jesus Christ, our Savior, has been our Passover, and now we are living in that feast of unleavened bread. 
and taking out the, uh, uh, the leaven bread and, and living a sanctified life, living a godly life, living a holy life. And we need to always continually put away the old and put on the new. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 down to verse 25, that he put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. They put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And the Bible says the old man is corrupt according to deceitful lust. You know, the old man might try to creep up in your life and say, hey, let's get back to the old way, let's get back to the old life, and let's get back to the shameful things uh, 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 that, uh, uh, that we used to call shameful, and let's put that on once again. But ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is very clear that the old lust is deceitful, and it is corrupt. And we need to always put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, to fulfill the lust thereof. And I want to encourage you to put away the old continually and to put on the new and be renewed in the spirit of, uh, of our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so with these scriptures in mind, our Christian lives are a strong spiritual statement for the world because we are a new building in the Lord Jesus Christ. As much as that in and out in Artesia Boulevard is a statement to the community, hey, there's a new building, a new facility, a new uh, a place where you get in and out burger. As much as that is a strong statement for the community and expressing the new, I think as Christians in this dark world, we need to let them know, hey, there is a new life in me, and our Savior is reigning, and our Savior is being magnified. I want to encourage you to not shine your old man, but put on that new man after our Savior, Jesus Christ, and be rooted up and built up in, in him, as the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, root and built up in him, and establish in the faith as ye had been taught. And do not be ashamed of the testimony of our, of our Savior. And <laughs> identify with your Savior. And grow in the Savior. And magnify the Savior in this lifetime. And be the light of the world as God has called you to be. And put on that new. And live after the new. And your life is a spiritual building. A habitation of God. And you are not to be ashamed of that. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together in growth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an holy habitation of God through the Spirit. And also, in another scripture, Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church, what, know ye not, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And ladies and gentlemen, your body is a temple of God, is a habitation of the Spirit. Your body, your life, is a spiritual building for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is a new building. It is a new life. And we ought to magnify and glorify our Savior for that and not be ashamed to light this testimony in this dark world. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 as well that as a church, we're building fitly together for an habitation of God. And ladies and gentlemen, this you know, organization, this church right here, 
is not after the old man, is not after any organization of the world. No, it is after the heavenly and the eternal. It is after the Holy Spirit of God. And we're together because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're together because the Holy Spirit of God abides within us, and we are connected together, and God is being glorified through our church. And ladies and gentlemen, do not be ashamed of the local church that God has given you. And let us recognize that we are a spiritual building and making a statement in this dark world. And as we think about this wonderful spiritual building and this light that God has given us and this new man and this new life, and I want you to be encouraged about the fact that God is not going to build your life in every way alone. He needs your surrender. He needs your commitment. And he needs your yielded spirit. And God cannot work with the proud. God cannot work with those who are somewhat arrogant and confident. And God cannot work with those who are stubborn. And and God cannot work with those who are disobedient. And God has to work with you and to, uh, in every way, to build a testimony after that which is new. And we must have our commitment and surrender in our part. And we must be sincere And God wants to build your life, but do you want to see your life built after the life of Jesus? That's the question. God wants you to be more like Jesus, but do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want to adapt to the new and and, uh, uh, take on the new? And do you want to make a testimony in this dying world? And I think that desire has to come in order for the Spirit of God to truly channel in your life and to be magnified in your life. If you're disobedient and hardened, God cannot build any uh, uh, great testimony after uh, His name. Ladies and gentlemen, God cannot do that. And I want to encourage you to work with Him and labor together with Him. I heard about an elderly carpenter who was ready to retire. He told this contractor of his plans to leave the house building business and live a more... Uh, 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 ease life with his wife enjoying his extended family. The contractor was very sorry to his good worker go after all those years of working together and asked if he could build just one more house as a personal favor. The carpenter agreed. But in time, it was easy to see that his heart was not in his work. This was his last work, and he felt like, you know, I know I'm doing a favor, but I feel like I need to retire soon, and so he resorted to shoddy workmanship and used inferior materials, and it was an unfortunate way to end his career. When the carpenter finished his work and the contractor came to inspect the house, to surprise, the contractor handed the front door key to the carpenter. He said with a smile, this is your house, he said. If this is your house now, he said, my gift to you. You know, as we think about this carpenter, you know, if he would have known that this house was to be his, I think he would have done a better job. He would have taken some more time in detail and making sure that every door looks nice and that every molding was cut precisely and that every nail had its purpose in being there. I think he would have done more work and more uh, 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 sacrifice to get this house built, but he did not know that this house would be his. That was a problem. He did not have his heart surrendered to it. And ladies and gentlemen,
and your life that God has given you. Be sold out to it and recognize that God has given you this new life and be good steward of it. And God has freely given it to you by him dying on that cross and be grateful for it and rise and build your life after the new man, which is Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today, rise up and build your life, rise up and build your church, rise up and build your family and your spiritual duties, obedience to his commandments, and have some ownership and be a good steward because God has freely given you those things. And do not be lazy and do not just do whatever, my friend. Be disciplined and put forth the work and be surrendered to the calling of God. Oh, I want to encourage you this morning to own the life that God has given you and be good steward of it. Do not just be careless and make foolish decisions and uh, in every way uh, uh, build your life upon the world, build your life upon your flesh. No, build your life upon the rock, our Savior, Jesus, and recognize that he has given this new life to you and be good steward of it. Oh, you have the new and be excited about the new. And uh, uh, be a steward of the new. And in every way, build upon this new. And, uh, and own it with the great, wonderful passion. We have an inspiring, inspiring story of Nehemiah in our text this morning. God has given him the task to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. It has been now over 70 years since the captivity took place. And Nehemiah's forefathers sinned against God and and God chastised them by taking them out of the land. So now Nehemiah comes out of the comfort of the palace slide to the ruins of Jerusalem. He faces a great task of gathering the workers together in unity and rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And from this story, I believe that we can draw a spiritual application of building on the Christian life. You know, Nehemiah didn't have to own this task. I mean, he was just thousands of miles away from Jerusalem. He was in the palace of Sushan, being a cupbearer, living a palace life, luxurious life. He did not have to just leave that comfortable zone and to go to the ruins of Jerusalem with people who are in poverty. He didn't have to do that, but he owned what God had called him to do. He says, we're going to rebuild this wall. We're not going to be in distress and shame anymore. We're not going to identify with the old. We're going to identify with the new, and we're going to identify with the promises of God now. And I believe that this has a a great application for us as we enter the year of 2016. Put away the old, put on the new again, and own and be good steward of the new, and get out of your comfort zone, and rise up and build. I'd like to share with you three usual expectations when the building of the spiritual takes place, and I want you to be encouraged by these expectations, and do not be discouraged by them. Do not in any way turn away from building. No, keep on rising, keep on building upon the holy faith and ask the Lord for his help and ask the Lord for his strengthening, uh, to, to strengthen you. And let me just give you three simple usual, ex- usual expectations as we rise and build. Number one, the shameful condition we need to recognize. Expect amid before you build a spiritual building. And recognize a shameful condition. In verse 17, then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Meaning, no more 
and embarrassment. It is very clear that the physical condition of Jerusalem and the Jewish people was at very low state when Nehemiah arrived. But not only the physical, but also the spiritual. The wall of Jerusalem being torn down and broken up was a spiritual reminder of their past sins and iniquities against God. To them, it was a shameful sight of their past rebellion. To them, it was a disgraceful sight of their reaping and disobedience. And Nehemiah encouraged them, let us fix this wall, this shame, and this distress. Now, before the physical building was to be reconstructed, for Nehemiah, he full well knew that spiritual had to be rebuilt once again. The spiritual had to be fixed first before there were any change in the outward surrounding. He was confident to say, rise up and build. Why? Because a spiritual revival had occurred in his heart, and he interceded for the people of Jerusalem and also for the Jews. So he, before he even arrived there, he interceded for the nation of Israel, and he pleased to God for the spiritual fix. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. It's on the screen, but if you'd like to turn to it, please. In Nehemiah chapter 1, look at verse 4 as well. And the Bible says in verse 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. And he is far away from Jerusalem, but he hears the words that the gates of Jerusalem are burned with fire, and the walls are crumbled, and they're in shame and distress. And he hears these words, and he imagines the situation in Jerusalem, and he cries, he weeps, he gets burdened. And he sees the distress in his imagination. So he seeks after the Lord. So what does he say to the Lord? In verse 5, look what he says. And said, I beseech thee, I beg of you. O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keep a covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear not be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee night, now, day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. And uh, Nehemiah just recognized the fact, Lord, we are in captivity, and the walls are broken down, and people are in shame because we have sinned against you. He decided to confess his sins, not only his sins, but the sins of his nation. He interceded. For the Jews. And then verse 7, we have dealt very corruptly against thee, have not kept the commandments, nor thy statute, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. He recognized that, hey, we presumptuously sinned against you. We know the words of Moses. We have the first five books. We know the commandments and the statutes. We know the book of Leviticus. We know the book of Numbers. We know the reminder of Deuteronomy. We know all these things, but we have sinned against you, and we have sinned against you and you only. And here he was confessing, and he was seeking for a spiritual revival before there was any physical change in the hour surrounding of Jerusalem. He knew that the spiritual had to be fixed first. He knew that the fellowship of God was 
far more important first than the outward change that he was expecting in verse 9. In, verse, uh, in that same chapter, the Bible says, But if ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though they were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. So as he was repenting, he was seeking God's promise. And ladies and gentlemen, that's, what, that's how spiritual revival works in our life. We cannot seek for the promise of God. We cannot seek for the renewing of God unless we start repenting of our sins first. Are there some sins in your life that needs to be done away with? That needs to be forgiven? That needs to be confessed as you enter 2016? Are you going to Hold on to that baggage of 2015 and bring it into this new year? Are you going to identify with the old once again? Or are you going to confess your sins and get that spiritual revival in your heart so that God may rebuild your life? And there will be no changes in your family. There will be no changes in your spiritual walk. There'll be no changes in how you serve the local church. There'll be no changes in your commitment unless you seek after the spiritual revival of repentance and seeking after God's promise. And God wishes for you to connect with them first before you start connecting with the blessings of the outward. Nehemiah sought God's word, God's blessings, And God's forgiveness, the spiritual revival first. And then God had him to go down to Jerusalem and to see the physical change. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we must do. If you want to build our marriage and and our marriage and our career, our future, our church, and we want to have God's blessing upon them, we must realize that the spiritual revival must come first before any physical restoration or change. Are there some sins in your life? Are there some known sins in your life? Are there some rebellion in your heart? Are there some shameful actions that is hidden deep in your personal lives? Remember, we must put away the old and put on the new. God cannot bless with the new unless the old is taken care of. In our testimony in distress and in shame, I wonder if God's going to build anything. People are always wanting to see the outward change first before the inward change. God wants to change your heart and your mind first before God changes your marriage, your family, your career, your future, or even our church. In order to fix our outward testimony, we need to have our hearts fixed. Is your heart fixed today? How is your heart as you enter this new year? Is it in a shameful condition? You know, Nehemiah recognized as much as Jerusalem was lying in waste and the wall was crumbled and the gates was on fire. Yes, that was a shameful testimony. It was an embarrassing testimony. He recognized there was a far more embarrassing testimony. It was the heart of the Jew, the disobedient heart, the rebellious heart. That's why he sought after the spiritual things. This is the greatest shame. We knew God's word. We knew the commandment of Moses. But we just went against your word. 
What a shame. What a distress we're in. Revive us, O Lord. Forgive us, O Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, how is your walk with the Lord? Is it in a shameful condition? I want to encourage you this morning to seek after the spiritual revival. Ask, Lord, to fix your heart before you start spending days in 2016. In your flesh, in your lust, in your pride. Ask God to fix you so you can see some outward change. So with that, secondly, expect the sovereign hand of God as you rise up and build. Verse 18, and I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he has spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. It is known that the tallest building in the world, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, is the tallest building. This building rises more than 2,700 feet, over half a mile tall. It has 160 floors. It is twice as tall as the Empire State Building. It is home to the world's fastest elevator that travels 40 miles per hour. How scary. This building also hosts the world's largest, I mean, the world's highest outdoor observation deck, which is on the 124th floor. It has the world's highest swimming pool, the 76th floor. And as we think about this enormous building, this tallest building in this world, the secret lies not in the outward, but the inward. It is not the outward structure that is so visible that holds this building together. It is really the the hidden foundation that is not seen. Before construction began to rise up for this tallest building in the world, workers spent years digging and pouring the massive foundation that supports this building. The foundation contains some 58,900 cubic yards of concrete weighing more than 110,000 tons. In order to have this building erected and to be built, they needed to make sure they had a strong foundation concrete that weighs 110,000 pounds. The greater the building, the greater the foundation. And the greater the Christian life, my friend, the greater the foundation who is our God. You know, if you're going to build anything for our Savior, Jesus Christ, you're going to build it on the Savior. You need God's help. If you're going to be a better Christian this 2016, if you're going to have a, more of a spiritual family and spiritual marriage, maybe even spiritual stewardship and finances, and spiritual devotion and spiritual service for the Lord at the church, if there's going to be anything great, then you need to seek the great foundation. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. You need the sovereign hand of God upon your life. Christ emphasized this in Luke chapter 6, verse 17, down to verse 48. Whosoever cometh to me, hear my saying, do with him, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house, dig a deep, and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and streamed 
beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for he was founded upon a rock. And we know the story of these two houses. And one house was built upon a sand and one house was built upon a rock. And one house that was built upon a sand was exemplifying a man who hears but never does what God has told him to do. And that person is building upon a sinking sand. And that person, when that storm comes, will not stand. But the Bible says, but a person who is standing upon a rock, that person will stand even the storm comes. Why? Because he hears God's word and does God's word. And ladies and gentlemen, are you building your life after the obedience of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Are you in every way building upon the foundation of our Savior, Jesus, listening to him and obeying him at the same time? Because as we are hearing and obeying God's word, guess what? God will build your life. God will. God will never go against his words. If you just surrender to his word and obey his word and take action upon them and not just be hearers of the word but doers as well. If you do that, my friend, I guarantee you, God will start building your family, your marriage, your finances, just everything that you were so worried about in 2015. Let God do it, my friend. I like Psalm 127, verse 1 through 2. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. You know, you might wake up every morning and worry about your finances. And you go to work, and you work 40 hours a week. And you're still worried about it. You know why? Because you're trying to build your own life. You're trying to build your own future. But you could wake up every morning, still work 40 hours a week, and be diligent and be busy. But have peace in your heart. Why? Because you claim this verse. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain. You're claiming, Lord, build my life. Build my future. Build my family. Build everything that's around me. I am committing to you. I work, and I am diligent, and I'm obeying you in every impulse, and I'm trying to live a righteous and godly life, and I'm trying to do all that I can for you. Now, would you bring the increase? I like what Apostle Paul says. I have planted, Paul so waters, but the Lord gave the what? You see, ladies and gentlemen, you hear God's word, you obey God's word, guess what? God will bless it. You just trust in him. But if you're just trying to do it in your flesh, you're trying to do it all on your own, you're trying to build that wall all by yourself, guess what? Your hands will get weary. You'll get discouraged. You'll confront apathy. You'll be disappointed with all the accusations and all the critics around you. But if the Lord's hand is upon you, like Nehemiah said, the hand of God is upon me, is good upon me. 
God is in this world. God is with us. Let us rise up and build. If you claim God's power and God's your increase in your life, you'll see some results. That's what Nehemiah recognized. The hand of my God is good upon me. Oh, I want to encourage you. Trust the sovereign hand of God. Don't trust yourself. As you hear and obey God's word, build upon the foundation, our Savior Jesus Christ. As you do that, guarantee you God will start building a magnificent building. God will build your life in a wonderful and powerful way. Number three, the scorner's opposition. Verse 19, and when Sambal and Horonite, the Baya, the servant, the Ammonite, the Geshem, and the Arabian heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? You know, later on they even say, A fox could go up on this wall and, and, uh, and they could tear down this wall. The foxes could do that. And they were scornful, they were uh, critical, and they were in every way opposing this work. And when you are building something, there will be spectators and they will evaluate what you're building. They will analyze all the details. They will have all their opinion and criticism, but those people shouldn't stop us from keep building, my friend. In Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but is delight in the law of the Lord, and his law that he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and bringing forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he do it shall not prosper and ladies and gentlemen do not stay in the way of sinner they'll try to discourage you they'll try to tempt you after the old man and do not in any way seek the counsel of the angali they're not wise they're foolish do not seek, uh, sit in the seat of the scornful they will criticize the work they will criticize what you're trying to build after the name of the lord jesus christ but your delight should be in the word of god And rely on God's word. Rely on his promises. And God will bring forth fruit. You shall be like a tree planted by the river. And that will bring forth his fruit in his season. God will bless you, my friend. Do not rely on any other man. Do not hear any other criticism. Rely on the word of God and the approval of our Savior. Nehemiah did not have time for Sambal and Tobiah. One time they said, could you meet us in the Valley of Ono? They were doing a great job in building that wall. And Nehemiah said, I cannot come down from this wall. I I have no time for you. I cannot compromise. I'm doing a great work. And as you try to build upon Jesus Christ, as you try to commit your life to more to Jesus, as you try to surrender your life and try to see buildings and the spiritual buildings rise up, Around you, critics will come. It could be your own family. It could be your best friend. It could be your co-worker. It could be your wife or your husband. I think about Job. Remember Job? His wife said, curse God and die. What a critic. And ladies and gentlemen, don't let others dictate what you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. You do what God wants you to do. And do it faithfully. Yes, scorners will come. Tobias will come. Sam Ballots will come. But just rise up and build. I like the very last verse. I'm, I'm sorry, the very last 
testimony of this wall. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9, For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from their work that be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. And, you know, Nehemiah says, you know, these people are scared, but, Lord, would you strengthen our hands? And I love, after six verses in verse 15, look what it says. Would you read the very first phrase with me? Ready? So the wall was finished. Would you say that again? So the wall was finished on the 20th and 5th day of the month, Elo, 50 and 2 days. By Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 2, they started building that wall. Scorners came, critics came. But by Nehemiah chapter 6, they finished the wall. What happened to the critics? They're not mentioned anymore after this. Only once in talking about the relative of Tobiah. But these critics, they started to just walk away from the wall. Why? They were proven wrong. God did something great with Nehemiah in his life. And ladies and gentlemen, scorners might scorn you now, but if you keep on doing faithfully what God has told you to do concerning your family, your marriage, your church, your devotion, your spiritual walk, at the end, they'll be proven wrong. Because God always wins. He has overcome this world. He always wins. Do not think for one moment that God is not with you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He wants to strengthen you. Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Would you rely on him? Because he wants to rise and build with you. We are together, we are laborers together with God. Would you labor with him? He wants to build something in your life. He wants to build a spiritual home. He wants to build a spiritual church. He wants to build a spiritual life. Would you rise and build? Would you rise and build?